0: You're listening to the Fan Garage Sports Podcast with CP Thomas. Hi, everyone. This is CP Thomas here, host for TFG Sports Podcast. Today, we start a special edition with Ayaz Memon. Ayaz, as you would know, is a veteran cricket writer and commentator. He's currently in Adelaide covering the first ever day and night test match between Australia and New Zealand, where the pink ball will also make its debut. Today, he'll be discussing with us the apprehensions among both teams on the eve of the landmark and historic event. We'll also touch upon the decision to make the Rebel Packers series scores official. And when we are talking about tests, we can't ignore the batting debacle that the world's topmost test team is undergoing right now here in India. Uh, we now move on to the excitement in Adelaide with Ayaz. Hi, Ayaz. Hi, CP. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Lead us right into the excitement there. Well, actually, it's it's
1: very exciting. I've been here in Adelaide. This is my second day here. Uh, obviously, you don't have thronging crowds like you would find in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in test matches, though. But there's a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectation from the first ever day-night match, which is going to start tomorrow at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, I was on the ground yesterday. It was a little murky, a little overcast. Uh, some rain, the two teams were there at, pra- at practice under lights with the pink ball. Uh, and, you know, I spoke to the officials there. They said they've got a fairly large number of spectators already, uh, you know, booked or coming in or they booked their tickets, you know what I mean? So I don't know if we'll get a full house. It's about 45,000 strong. The stadium is one of the bigger stadiums in... Uh, uh, in, uh, in, in uh, we'll have to wait and see how many people actually turn up yeah. But it, it is going to be exciting all the same.
0: But uh, is the crowd directly related to this day-night thing or they would have expected a crowd anyways? Because test matches usually draw some crowd out there.
1: No, I think, look, the test test cricket in Australia would perhaps draw larger crowds than we see in India, but not as many as you know international cricket wants them. Uh, this is the venue. You might remember the last match we all remember from India being played here was India versus Pakistan, the World Cup match, oh, yeah. which uh, was jam-packed. Mm. You know, it was a full house. So uh, maybe you won't get that kind of a crowd. But I was speaking to some of the locals. In fact, I went to a winery yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, uh, courtesy the South Afri- South Australian Tourism Corporation, and uh, you know, the, the band ACDC played here last okay. Saturday, and they had what about fifty thousand people. Yeah. So they're saying okay if not 50,000 people at least let's have a 25,000 crowd and it will be like a rock concert. So let's wait and <laughs> see what happens.
0: But but I'm sure it'll surpass the 25,000 number because uh, I I
1: think what's yeah. going to happen more likely as uh, maybe the first day there'll be a lot of curiosity value so if you, you I I would expect a big crowd. Remember it's also Friday so people have a weekend holiday here. Hmm. Uh but I think that each day and what's important to see is whether on each day the crowds actually build up uh, post 2 o'clock, you know, because the match starts at around 2. Even if they miss the first session, they come and take in the next two sessions. That will be, I think, a big, big uh, jump ahead where Test Match Spectatorship is concerned.
0: How, how's the media uh, treating it? Is there still a uh, lot of people talking against the concept and the pink ball?
1: Well, a bit of it. Yes, uh, it's not as, uh, voluble as one heard, uh, you know, some of the cricketers talking about it maybe a week back or two big, two weeks back or a month back when there was a lot, especially the Australians for some reason, uh, Dave Warner, Mitchell Stark, Mitchell Johnson who's now retired, uh, Nathan Lyon. These are the people who had kind of expressed some reservations about the pink ball, the kookaburra ball with the depressed seam. Now, nobody seems to be talking about it. I think everybody is more focused on the match and the fact that it's it's inevitable. We have to go and play whatever our reservations. So they're now looking at, uh, you know, uh, keeping themselves in a positive frame of mind. That's the way I sense
0: it. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, and also in the recent decision, or I think it was yesterday that the Packer series scores have now become official and everyone is talking about how even though it was at that time a rebel series, now you have to innovate to... Keep going, and you know, bring fresh uh, ideas into the sport.
1: Uh Well, CP, actually, that is that's actually been a very dramatic development. And yesterday, in fact, they had a lunch and and, and stuff here at the Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval where people like. uh uh, Ian Chapel and some of the others who played in the Packers series there, mm-hmm. and they were very happy. They were delighted because remember the Packers series, as you mentioned rightly, was considered a rebel series. Uh, the scores there were not in the official cricket scores. They not they don't find a mention in Wisden uh, cricketers' almanac. Uh, it's more given as other scores. It was till yesterday. Now it's all become part of the official uh, scores of cricket. So and and is there was speaking to some of the old timers they they believe that it was some of the hardest cricket they played and how unfortunate it was that it was never considered mm. good enough to find mention uh you know amongst the other other, other all the other scores that make uh, make up cricket statistics so they are obviously all overjoyed and in a sense it, it shows Kerry Packer to be a visionary of a kind because he foresaw Uh, night cricket colored clothing white ball black side screen then Mm. Uh, what's changed now it's taken a long time coming in in test matches but now we've got you know black side screen white clothing but a pink ball so you know
0: (laughs) yeah but uh, it's like there are a lot of people who are saying that it's taken a long time actually for a day night test match to come through it's like um, we have been playing day night cricket for so much time now but in fact, the only factor that has held it back is the ball and that it should last 80 overs. And uh, now all, all attention is would be on the ball rather than the day-night factor, I'm sure.
1: Yes, I think on the ball more more certainly than on other factors. But, you know, I, I think also the fact that it is test cricket. Remember, it's, if, it's, if you're talking of day-night cricket as yet, it's been a one-day match. It's been 100 overs. Now you're talking of 450 overs spread over five days.
2: Okay.
1: Theoretically. So that's a long time to play under lights and, uh, you know, with a pink ball. Obviously, how the ball kind of uh, holds up, sustains itself, holds Mm. up, whether it gets a break, whether it becomes grey, that'll be the focus of a lot of attention. And uh, we'll have to just wait and see. The the curator and some of the players who played with the pink ball already in the the warm-up matches in Canberra and somewhere else, they feel that uh, it might actually present an equal battle between bat and ball uh, not what's happening right now in Nagpur, as one understands. where oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, India <laughs> or South Africa and a complete taste yeah, the
0: color but, of the ball. there will be
1: a lot more grass left on this drop in pitch here, which should help retain the gloss or the shine longer. Uh, it will also, uh, the, the groundsmen and, and people believe that it will help, while it will help the fast bowlers, it will also help stroke play. Now, all this is in the, in the realm of speculation and conjecture. Yeah. We'll have to yeah. wait and see what happens. When the, when, the matches, when the match actually
0: begins. Now just talking about uh, this uh, landmark event, y- you would have seen many other landmark events and uh, how do you sense when you compare with let's say the first T20 or the first ODI, what kind of excitement was there at that time and do you think this equals that or it was a given that something had to be done for Test Cricket?
2: I
1: mean, you know, while something had to be done for Test cricket, I think this is a major, major landmark. Uh, you know, I personally feel it's bigger than in ODI cricket coming into play or even T20.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, T20 was, was an extension of limited Overs cricket, so in that sense, uh, you know, not much had changed. It was, it was played in night, black side screen, white ball, colored clothing. We'd seen the whole, uh, you know, mix of things yeah. that go into limited Overs cricket. Uh, however that T20 would become so big nobody knew but it has Mm -hmm. Test cricket where it's concerned now it's it's an anomaly of sorts because every player that you speak to Mm -hmm. uh, and even those who play only the T20 leagues like Chris Gayle or Dwayne Bravo or some of the other West Indians uh, or even now Kevin Peterson uh, will tell you that Test cricket is the ultimate and they would be happy or they would be happier playing Test cricket for some reason or the other they're not so if test cricket is something that appeals to all cricketers, they think it's the ultimate test, then obviously to save it or to salvage it was paramount. And as you mentioned earlier in one of your questions, is why why did it take so long for the ICC to wise up that they needed to do something like this, get into day-night test cricket, maybe use a pink-colored ball or some other color which is different from the red or the white, and go out to save uh, you know, the five-day format. It's taken a long time in coming. Remember, the first day-night match, we're talking of 1977-78, that is when Packer Series started. That's about, you know, almost four decades ago. And it's taken that long for the ICC to wake out of their slumber.
0: Yeah, but to think that the color of a ball is what kept the ICC from taking such a decision and also that you could probably innovate with the number of overs in a test match, you know. Uh, You need not probably keep it till 80, if you can change a ball at 50, you might have been able to have a day-night test much earlier than this.
1: I agree. I, look, what kept them away is not just the colour of the ball, I think it's the, it's the you know, big-headedness of not wanting to tinker or tamper with the... Uh, test format. Test format no, no, the and in the tradition of test yeah, cricket. Yeah. You know, that this is what it is and it's too pristine and it should not, never be touched. And I think that that's what kept them away. Uh Choosing a color or reaching a decision on a color is therefore an extension of the original thought.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, if
1: you decide that you want to innovate, then you will think up a color and you know stuff like whether it should be of uh fifty five overs or sixty overs or fifty overs before you give the fielding team the option to change the ball uh, or the umpires mm-hmm. in, uh, to decide if the ball has become too gray or black or whatever. These are extensions of the original thought, the original thought itself. Was lacking, I think.
0: Yeah, and it shows because even New Zealand, uh, the chief coach Hessen has been saying that probably as soon as next year they or next uh, season when they have Sri Lanka coming in, they might have a DNA test.
1: So I think CP, uh, what's going to happen is if this test match clicks in terms of spectatorship Mm -hmm. and in terms of the quality of cricket, I think it'll it will become. Uh, no you know, it, it can it can reach epidemic proportions because uh. remember almost all international stadia across the world are equipped to show day night cricket now mm-hmm. at least the major ones so it's a matter of just implementing it then you know
0: yeah in fact tv i just read we had a ranji trophy final as a day night match in and of all places in gwalior yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: so i just just tell you how how uh, you know easy it can be yeah.
0: if the decision is is made more with Ayaz after this quick break.
3: Now, if you want to listen to some brilliant indie music from all over the country, it's really simple. You can find me on Made in India. It's madeinindia.in. My name is May and it's spelled M-A-E-D. Now, I've had some great artists on the show, including the likes of Nikhil D'Souza, The Cognac Net, Last Remaining Light, Dejas Menon, The Other People, Alicia Pays, Lakshmi Bomb, Vasudha Sharma, Ankur Thavadi, and so many more. Now, if you want to subscribe, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite podcast app or you can find me on my website that's madeinindia.in that's M-A-E-D or on Twitter and Facebook on Made in India.
0: Welcome back to the TFG Sports Podcast. Uh, We continue our conversation with Ayaz in Adelaide. So uh, now if we move into the test match now that Australia has a 1-0 lead over New Zealand and New Zealand now have to experiment with a new format altogether. Uh, how do you see it playing out?
1: Well, look, Australia have looked the better teams so far. Though the Perth match, the Perth Test match uh, showed both teams up uh, to be equal in terms of at least batting performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the New Zealanders batted supremely. Uh, Ross Taylor, Kane Williamson, who I think actually is becoming the the centre of attention, the cynosure of all eyes, as they say because uh not only is he uh you know a gifted batsman, he's a young player just about twenty five uh great technique, superb temperament, and elegant and it's just such a joy to watch uh, so i I think for me personally, I think the two players I would watch with great uh you know attention is uh Kane Williamson from New Zealand mm-hmm. and Mitchell Stark from uh, Australia because Mitchell Johnson is now out of. You know, out of the fray, okay, he's retired. Yeah. So, Mitchell Stark, willy-nilly has become the spearhead of the attack. In the last match, on a completely pata, as they say in the Mumbai language, yeah. pata wicket at Perth, he bowled 164, 160.4 kilometers per hour on delivery, yeah. the fastest ever in test history. But it's not just his speed, it's also the ability to swing the ball late. He's got Yorkers, which he can deliver at will. He's already the most dangerous uh, bowler in limited overs cricket and with the pink ball in practice matches he's been cleaning up batsmen so
0: but uh, the funny thing play, is that he hasn't been very uh, let's say positive about the pink ball he though he has picked up yeah, that's very seat. very in-
1: interesting because yeah. he's been the most successful with the pink ball yeah. and also the most reluctant to bowl with the pink ball because mm-hmm. and I, I i think there's a reason for it cp the reason is that this the ball which they're going to use has got a depressed seam uh, he's the kind of bowler who likes a more pronounced seam, uh, you know, because he bowls swing either way, uh, keeps one shiny side, one side shined up yeah. all the time and stuff like that, uh, tries to do also a little bit of reverse swing as the ball gets older. But if the seam is depressed, then it affects his seam, his swing. I think that's his, his that's been his concern. Uh, in limited overs cricket, it's a little different because, uh, you know, the field settings are different. Uh, there are a lot more Yorkers bowled, especially in the death overs. Yeah. He feels perhaps that in test match cricket, he might
0: not get the, the movement of coaches, that yeah.
1: justifies four, five slips or yeah. three slips and stuff like that. I think that's been his issue.
0: Well, from the New Zealand side, what's the take on the Seamers?
1: Look, I think New Zealand, in fact, might be quite happy uh, with their, uh, you know, if the pitch has about an inch, inch and a half of grass. Uh, they've got three very good seamers in uh, Tim Southie, uh, Trent Bolt and Doug Bracewell. They bowled well, not maybe with a great deal of luck, but they are, you know at least Southie and Trent Bolt have been around for a while. Uh, they both got the experience. Uh, Doug Bracewell has bowled very well actually in this series without too many wickets to show for it. So the seam attack, and now Australia without Mitchell Johnson, they've got James Patterson, Patterson who's come in. We'll have to wait and see what happens with him. But they've got Hazelwood, they've got uh, Sean Mar- uh, yeah. I beg your pardon, Mitch, Mitch Marsh, and then of course they've got Mitchell Stark. So uh, I don't think New Zealand are too far behind in terms of their bowling abilities. Yes, they don't have a high-quality spinner, but Australia has one in Nathan Lyon.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, who is very happy it's, it's about a the of, It's a
1: measure of confidence. I think it's a it's an issue. The Aussies on their home turf are just so you know they become like monsters. I think that's really the issue. Uh,
0: but uh, what's the news on Trent Bolt? Uh, I, he's still injured, or is he on for the third test?
1: There's no sign or no words to the effect that he won't play. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, much as what happened with Dave Warner mm. uh, yesterday, he, he injured his thumb. But, you know, I'm sure Warner, even with his hand you uh, know, cast, he would come and play because yeah. that's the kind of form he is in. That's right. And Australia mm-hmm. would want him at the top of the order. He's the one man who can win a match within, you know, the first two sessions if he's still around. So, uh, I don't see Trent Bolt also not playing. I think if he is not, if he doesn't play for whatever reason, then that'll be a big blow to New Zealand. Uh,
0: coming back to Nathan Lyon, I think he's the most pleased about the pink ball. He's been very vocal about and he's very happy the Again, batsman yeah, can't yeah, pick right. up this i yeah. think
1: he's you know he's been most unhappy because if a depress in a depressed seam scenario the off spinner or the slow bowlers don't get much purchase from the wicket you know the, the the break you might get from a wicket if the seam is almost level with the rest of the uh, ball then you know you don't get that the revolution per, per for for the ball when he's turning it or when he's spinning it in the air also Uh, it doesn't kind of boggle uh, the batsmen. Now, it works both ways because if the seam is pronounced, the batsmen tend to read the bowler off the seam, with the seam. So, we have to actually, you know, there's so much speculation about how the ball will behave, what it will do uh, in the air of the wicket, that to say anything at this stage would, I think, be presumptuous. Even for the players. So, I think what's happened is, suddenly over the last week, they have all got guarded.
0: But... Considering the fact that there's... I think this is the one ball which has undergone the largest amount of testing and trials. uh, By now, there should have been some kind of consensus of whether it works or doesn't work. And especially they have used it in the Sheffield matches and all these players have had a chance to, you know, have a go at it. But somehow, like you said, everybody seems to be guarded about because they don't want to be caught on the wrong foot. So, so what...
1: One thing, CP, is, I, I, I have to answer that very quickly, and, uh, you know, perhaps most pertinently. I mean, they may be, they are all international cricketers, but like every one of us, there's a reluctance to change. Yeah. You know, we all are very stodgy when things change. So, and, but as we all know, it's a cliche almost to say it, that change is the only constant, except that it's not, it's taken a long time coming in yeah. that cricket. So, I think the, You've f- you spent 15, 20, 15 years of your formative, you know, growing up, mm. playing with a certain kind of a ball or a certain kind of a pitch or in certain situations, and then you suddenly find a lot of them undergoing a change, you start getting apprehensive. I think that's the apprehens- apprehension that one is sensing in the players. Not one player, and you're right, not one player has come out boldly Seeing and bravely yeah. and said, hey, you know, that's I really good. love this, this is what I'm going to do, yeah. because nobody knows. That's the problem.
0: And I think uh, they will wait to see how things happen on the pitch before they can even, you know, shout out their criticism or say that, okay, this is the way things should go forward. And before long, if, like you said, if it succeeds, you will have every other test nation playing a day-night cricket.
1: Yeah, but I, I think the success, you know, one part is, of course, how the players react to it, the other is how the spectators react to it. I think that's where the issue is. I mean, if, if, the, if the ball plays very well and the players are extremely happy, but spectators don't come in, even in a day-night match with the pink ball and the floodlights, then there's serious trouble. So I think the issue is not just about the players, how they feel, and, you know, stuff like that. As long as the matches don't end in two days or two and a half days, or they don't become tall scoring draws, people will be happy to see results in matches. And if there are, uh, you know, lots of spectators who come in because they've got the time, they've got afternoons to spare and evenings to spare, I think that's really what the administrators are more keen on and those who are interested in the survival of tennis cricket. You can still have long long scoring draws in, you know, regular day test matches yeah, or no result test matches played all during the day with white clothing and red ball. But the need for change has essentially sprung from the fact
0: there are no spectators. But uh, you are again going back to the fact that you are expecting a day-night match and a ping ball to bring out results. So there has to be, for results, a little bit of advantage has to be given to the bowlers because finally you need to take 40 wickets to get a result out, or a minimum of 30 you at know, least. So
1: I'm, I'm, uh, I don't share pessimism about these matters. As, uh-huh. uh, for the simple reason that I've been doing some kind of an analysis and if you look at, look back at the results of the last maybe 20 years, mm-hmm. more matches have been decided in chess cricket than in the history of the game 100 years before that.
2: Okay.
1: So one of the reasons is that batsmen have got more adventurous because of the impact of one-day cricket or T20 cricket or whatever else. Uh, you know. And therefore, when batsmen start getting aggressive, the bowlers have to start getting more inventive. So already, you're finding that you know, about 70-75% of the matches are being decided. Unlike in the 60s and late 50s, when barely 30-35% of the test matches were uh, giving results, which is why one-day yeah. cricket came into being.
0: That's true.
1: So that has, that scenario has already changed.
0: Yeah, and, and if you have series like the India-South Africa one right now, you'll have three-day well, test
1: matches. matches. Yeah.
0: <laughs> More with Ayaz after this quick break.
1: You can listen to Cyrus Says from our apps on iOS, Android, or our website, CyrusSays.in. You can also listen to services like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting softwares. It's CyrusSays.in.
0: Welcome back to TFG Sports Podcast. This is C.P. Thomas, your host here. Uh, we continue our special edition with IAS in Adelaide. Uh, we'll just pick up from where we left off on the India-South Africa Test Series and Uh, the kind of pasting that South Africa is getting right now. Uh, Like you said, uh, there have been a lot many tests going into a result uh, during the last 10, 20 years, whatever. And rightly so, because batsmen, I think, have got used to the T20 and ODI formats. And if uh, we look at the South African batsmen, which is the number one test playing nation right now, they don't seem anywhere near that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's a it's a bit of... Uh, uh, how do I explain it? Look, one is that the, the kind of pitches that we've seen at Mohali, certainly, Bangalore, we had only a one-day match, so we don't know how the pitch would have behaved subsequently. In Nagpur, you've seen, mm-hmm. you know, two innings completed within four sessions. And uh, South Africa has yeah. been bowled out for, what, 79 or 78, which is what I've been tracking. Mm-hmm. Now, these are obviously you know, uh, so loaded heavily in favor of the spinners and the slow bowlers that batsmen don't have too much of a chance. Even Indian batsmen are struggling against somebody like Dean Elgar, who's an opening batsman.
2: So,
1: I (laughs) I don't know whether... uh, Look, I completely am for uh, home advantage, for teams getting advantage at home. But if the contest between bat and ball becomes so lopsided, then I don't think it helps in the long run. So one is that Indian batsmen better start preparing for some chin music when they go to South Africa because they are not going to get conditions <laughs> where they are going to bat with yeah, any degree of comfort uh, when they go to South Africa. But,
0: but uh, are we reading too much devil in the pitch kind of thing, especially with the South African so, batsmen? Yeah, so,
1: uh, yeah. That's that's an interesting question because I want to, you know, I'm trying to understand, yes, it's a bit, big struggle for batsmen to bat. And it's, all, it's, it's evident from the fact that India is struggling to make 200 runs, uh, you know. And Indian batsmen are supposed to play spin bowling well. But the fact that South Africa, which is the number one team in the world, and they boast of batsmen like Asha Mamla, J.B. De Villiers, J.P. Domini, uh, Faf Du Plessis, uh, these batsmen are looking completely mystified, stupefied by slow bowling. It does not reflect well on their number mm. one status. Now, I'm not condoning the pitches, yeah. but I'm just saying that mm-hmm. they seem to have come with their minds you know, blocked. They, they seem Closed, to be completely yeah. uh, bothered by the fact that they'll be facing turning tracks and have not worked it out in their minds how to play.
0: And uh, definitely, Hashim Amla and FAF failing has been a big problem for them. And if you look at... Uh, the way they have batted in all the innings that they've got out till now. It's not that they got out to uh, beauties of a ball or anything like that. It's just, I think there's too much uh, botheration in the mind about that the pitch will do something to yeah, them.
1: Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, perhaps uh, Hashim Mamla summed it up best after the first test match, you know, when he got out for whatever he made. He got bowled by Jadeja, yeah. no stroke. And he said he had a brain fade mm. out. Uh, you know, yeah. so th- that seems to be the case with almost the entire South African team when they are batting. Uh, De Villiers seem to be the exception in Mohali as well as Bangalore but uh, you know mm. only just about so it's, it's a to me it bothers me also the fact that this is the number one ranked team in the world and this is what they are capable of it's not a good sign.
0: Yeah, but even the Indian batsmen if if you watch the first innings yesterday uh, not all of them got out to great balls. There was a lot of mistakes in how they played either Morne Mokal or even, like you said, Elgar. So, somewhere there is a uh, the lack of temperament. What is required in a test no, match? No, I think it, it's, it's,
1: it's too... You know, you know look, it's, it's, it's very easy to say temperament. I think both teams are on edge. India are very eager to win. South Africa are very eager not to lose in India. Look, they haven't lost okay. a series overseas since 2006. In nine years, South Africa yeah. haven't lost anywhere they've played, in Australia, in England, in India, wherever they played, and in, in Sri Lanka recently. So they are very conscious of the fact that they stand to lose a lot of credibility, a loss, loss of face. Who knows, Hashem Amla could lose his captaincy. Yeah,
2: it looks like On the it.
1: other hand, India don't want to lose at home, yeah. especially on pitches which are doctored and tailor-made for their spinners. Now, what India's batting performance is also showing up is that their batsmen themselves are just about managing, making, yeah. you know, a hardly reasonable score and against an opposition which was not not so befuddled, they would be struggling. Yeah,
0: because the scores of 200 won't help you win test matches against any opposition. Absolutely. So I-, I will catch up with you again tomorrow and uh, I'm sure by then the pink ball would have been out there in the sun and we'll get to hear more about it. Uh, look forward to hearing you f- from you on the inaugural day of the first day and night test match.
1: Oh, thanks a lot, CP. And I'm, believe me, I'm really excited to be uh, watching this first ever test match uh, under lights and with a pink ball. Of course, we start in daylight, but uh, you know, I'm just waiting for the satellites to come on and see whether there's a huge response. When, when the first match, I must just remind you, when the first day-night match was played. Uh, you know, there were barely about 6,000 people who came Mm, to watch. In fact, when the match started, there were 1,500, 2,000 people. By the time the floodlights came on, the crowd had swelled to 6,000, 6,500. And, uh, you know, from what I gather, having just read about it, that when the lights came on, There was a sudden explosion of applause and sound and excitement amongst the spectators. So we'll have to wait and see. Now people are far more used to seeing day night cricket, but even so in a test match, who knows what the reaction is going to be.
0: Great. Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. All right, then take care. Bye -bye. bye.
3: Subscribe to TFG Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at The Fan Garage or Facebook.com slash The Fan Garage.